So welcome everyone to the Euphrates Network podcast. I'm here with O'Neill again, and um, you heard a little bit about his testimony on a previous episode. And this one, we're just going to talk about um, just his perspectives on Christianity in the U.S. and how it compares with different things that he's seen. You know, a big part of this podcast is wanting to expose listeners to Christianity in its global sense. You know, I think as someone who's lived in the U.S. for a number of years, there's something about the culture sometimes that narrows our perspective to everything that's going on in America. And I see even in Christianity, sometimes we do that. And so it's always helpful when there's someone who's kind of coming in from an outsider, as an outsider, coming in from a different perspective to just help bring insight. Um, and, you know, hopefully there's things that we can learn from that. So. Yeah, so Neil, just to, just to open, I wanted to ask you, when you first came to the U.S. and you were just kind of observing like the culture of Christianity, what were the first things that, you, that stood out to you? Uh, so when I first came, uh, my, my first touch was a good, positive one. Mm-hmm. I went to... State College Assembly of God. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, the choice was not difficult because there is Assembly of God churches everywhere in the world. Right. So many in Africa. Right. Like, and I, I, I attended like one of them actually for like two years. So I, I said, okay, this I know I can just go and start there. And uh, when I went there, there was not too many people because there was online church. Mm-hmm. It was still bit COVID times, but I liked the simplicity of the ministers. They were very simple, just normally normal chairs in Africa. If you if you see on YouTube, like mostly most of the time, pastors they have like big red chairs, mm-hmm. like suits, like all like there's something about them. So I mean, it's not necessarily bad, but the simplicity also attracted me. Like the way they were just normal people, pastors, normal people, and they, they can talk to everyone. They don't they don't think think too high about themselves, mm-hmm. and I think that's. Is a bit in contrast with what we see in Africa, mm-hmm. where in many churches the pastor is made, is like the boss, and uh, that was a good thing. Also, uh, I saw also many like social actions that were being done for community. People were organizing themselves to get, send money to to ministers like in other countries. Like that is still done in Africa, but not. As I saw here, where people is like, it's very organized system to do it. Mm. And I mean, in that church, I'm not saying it's every church, but that church when I went, State College Assembly of God, they were doing that. I was seeing people like in Muslim countries, pastors being there, being financed by the church. That's also like, I really like that too. And uh, at the end, it was like, people were very friendly. Even in the beginning when I came, like, people were so friendly, like, how are you? Where are you coming from? It was a very welcoming place. So uh, that was the positive aspect. And also one positive aspect that can also be a negative aspect, because I'm going to talk about that too, in the negative part, is like also the, the, the emphasis on the, of, on the love of God. For me, it's a positive aspect, but it's also a bad aspect. I'm going to explain why I think it can be bad. But uh, I think it's something that also changed me in the way I see the gospel. Because before that, again, I told you, I got born again listening a testimony about hell. So for me, like, 
Even if I encounter the love of God, but when I share it, I will put more emphasis on like, God is going to judge you. Like the judgment is coming, repent. Sometimes time I can talk about the love, but it's not in my mind. Yes, God loves you, but it's not what you need now. You need to be saved. There's urgency for you to be saved. So I will focus more on that. But here I saw like a difference. People were more talking about God loves you, he wants a relationship with you. This, I knew all this, but I would say it more to someone who is already a believer, not to someone who is not a believer. So I, 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 I realized that I need to adjust also to be more balanced in the way I introduce the gospel. That was a good thing for me. And uh, mostly people are nice. They are nice. And uh, that was the, uh, the things I saw that was good. Now, the things I think is not so good and I think it's actually dangerous. And, and, and so just, just back up. So like, I think you started talking about a specific church that you got interested ah, yeah. in and now we're, now we're talking more general. More general, right? yeah. So we're not talking specifically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. After I moved, I, I discovered other, other places too. What I realized is that there's a lot of emphasis on like, the music. People, there is a lot of emphasis on music, music, people sing. You see there a lot of preparation to, to sing. Mm. And uh, for me, at some point, it was a bit empty in some places. It was just like we have the text, we just read it, we sing, we sing, everyone is singing. And you see people are not even connected to God. It's, I don't want to say like people don't, I don't want to judge anyone mm -hmm. in a sense, but it's different in Africa when we worship. It's not about the music. It's about the connection with God. Sometimes you don't, it's not even music. There is only like someone playing and everyone is on the ground, weeping, on the knees. People are connected to God. It's not about like the one singing. There's no even screen. There's no screen to read the lyrics. People are connected to God deeply. So I was, I was used to that. So when I went to those churches, sometimes I was like on my knee, like moving around and I was like feeling like alone. Only myself doing that, people were just like, like, yeah, they really just like attitude towards that. So for me, that's a problem because. Do, do you think that that exists because, do you think there's something like systematic about how the worship is set up that makes it so it can be a formality? Or do you think that's more on the people coming and the attitude they have coming to worship? I think it's both. I think it's both, okay. I think it's both. It's, a, it's the system and also the people. Because if you have a different system, the new people who come will adjust. Mm -hmm. So I think it's both in a way. And uh, I mean, that's one of the things I think can be corrected. It should be like worship is not just about singing a song. Mm -hmm. It's like being able to pour out yourself to God. And even like the, the, in the group we have now, I'm always pushing them. To be expressive in the presence of God, mm. to shout, to laugh, to cry, to not be religious. Mm -hmm. So, and uh, in Africa we have something different. Even when we do praise, like you see people dancing, mm -hmm. glorifying God, like with everything they have. But here it's more like mm -hmm. stylish. We don't do a lot of noise. We are calm. We yeah. don't. We don't dance. We don't. We don't do anything crazy. We are just nice people. And I think for me, that's a problem too. Yeah, that's definitely, I think there's, there's definitely, at least from, from my own limited experience, like 
there's a broad difference between like I mean like you look at South America, Latin America, Africa versus America. But then even in America, I'm sure you've noticed there's like a pretty broad range in differences, differences of worship okay. style even here. But yeah, but overall, I mean, yeah, I think I, mean, I think any American would like look at that and admit that. I, at least it's state college because yeah. maybe in different no, places. No, no, no. I, I think it's generally true. But then in America, you would definitely get a lot of other people who would also prefer that much more expressive expressive worship style and you'll definitely get churches like that but mm-hmm. it's probably not the norm in the way it is probably in, in Africa oh, so I see. yeah I see that's that's a good point so yeah that is a one of the things I think can be is a difference and I think it can be improved second thing is that too much intellectualism mm. in the way we we, we live God mm. we have reduced God to a science mm. <laughs> God is not a science where you go to school you, you, you learn theology you, you, you have a degree you apply you get you get you do your CV you apply to a church you do like interviews you get no I've not, I've not been to Bible school mm-hmm. I've not been and I'm not saying it's a good it's a bad thing I'm not saying it's a good thing either I'm just saying that don't put your your trust on that because the anointing of the Holy Ghost is not about how much you have learned from theology God is not a science. It's beyond that. Mm-hmm. So, I've seen so many people focusing on like, I have to follow like the rules. Like, there is no flexibility for the spirit. It's just about following what you have established as a program. We start here, we finish here. We do this, we do this, we do this. There is no room for the Holy Ghost to do what he wants to do. And uh, I see people like going to Bible school. You ask them why you want to become a pastor, and you see that the motivation is not deeply spiritual. It's just because it's a major. <laughs> and I think that is very wrong because you need to be called into ministry. This, I deeply think that if God calls you to become part of a fivefold ministers, there is need for a clear calling, not just like I think it's good, it's a good idea. I mean, at least from my experience, this is the way I consider that. And uh, I'm not saying I'm. 100% right, but I think there's, there's a need for a deeper thing than just like, it's a good measure to go. So it becomes like a science, God is like a science. All the doctrines are there, you cannot say anything that is, it's already there, you just follow and there's no flexibility. Yeah. So uh, for me that can be a problem, there's so much intellectualism, people have a hard time to believe in miracles, even people who call themselves Pentecostals. I remember I was like in a in a meeting and like there was a girl talking about the Holy Spirit and everything she was saying about the Holy Spirit it was like I mean I don't need you to say that for me to know the Holy Spirit can do that it was centered up around her life not around how the Holy Spirit used them use her to touch other people it was centered about like oh I have this issue I have this I have this in my life I have this in my life I mean it's not bad but I'm saying it shows something, the way we see the Holy Spirit. Because for me, the Holy Spirit, yes, it comes first for me. But on top of that, it empowers me to help other people. So after the, she finished talking, the pastor asked, who wants to share anything else? And I raised my hand and I said, I don't want to say anything more about the Holy Spirit. I want to demonstrate him. I have visions and prophetic words for people here. If you allow me, I want to share. And the pastor didn't want me to share. He's supposedly to be Pentecostal. 
But the people, the students that were around said, no, we won't because they never saw that. They are read that in the Bible. They, they hear that at church, but there's no demonstration. Yeah, that's always theoretical. That is theoretical. There's no demonstration. So they were eager to see that. And I started prophesying. And there was a girl, like, she was crying. Every word I was saying, people were confirming, yes, yes, it's happening to their life. I was giving them word of wisdom. And at the end, I said, okay, I want to pray for someone we seek. Who has, who has a pain? No one raised their hand. And now I came, I said, okay, there's someone here, you have pain in your, in your, in your neck. And the wife of the pastor said, she, she's the one. <laughs> so she had pain, but she didn't raise her hand. Why? She doesn't believe. She doesn't believe God can heal. And I prayed for her. She got better. But it was like, even the people who claim to be Pentecostals, they have hard time. Because you have reduced God to intellectualism. So uh, I think that's, a, that's, a, that's an issue. And uh, I, I, this I believe, I know that it's not all over the U.S. There are places... I see people mm-hmm. doing the two. Yeah. But you're talking about general trends, which I think is is accurate. I think I think something just as you're talking that I think has happened because, like you know, Pentecostalism came out of. I mean, it, there was multiple pockets of the world that had similar revivals the same time as Azusa Street in mm-hmm. 1906. But really, the the Pentecost movement that spread through the world started in Los Angeles. Yes, you know, it started in the U.S. And I think for me personally. I, you know, I've really dove into a lot of that history and like love reading about it. I think one thing that's happened is that a lot of Pentecostalism, charismaticism today, I think we're so influenced by kind of the general, because mm-hmm. I think there's so much more unity in the church where before Pentecostals, you would get kicked out of your church for speaking in tongues. <laughs> and so a big part of what made Pentecostalism so radical is that they were like kind of their own entity. You know, obviously there's believers who were whatever denomination but like at least the mainstream of the church didn't see pentecostals as like legitimate but now that pentecostals have gotten a lot more acceptance i think one thing that's happened is that there's a lot of things that they used to radically believe and practice that i think gets like pretty watered down mm. i don't know if that's something that you've noticed yes as well. yes 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 i have yes i have and even speaking in tongues, mm-hmm. the way, I mean, the Pentecostals I know from my country, they are very clear. Mm-hmm. You don't speak in tongues, you're not baptized in the Holy Spirit. I mean, that's an issue. I mean, well, but, that, but that's what the original least, Pentecostals Yes, believe, at least it right reveals now. something yeah. about what the, the heritage. Mm-hmm. But here today, if you have pastors that don't speak in tongues, they don't care. Yeah. They are, they are still called Pentecostals. So. Yeah. I mean, I mean, a lot of, most Pentecostal churches still have that in their doctrine that speaking in tongues is initial evidence. But not that many people say it because there's so much pushback against that. Yeah. And so like there's, you know, to keep the peace. And, you know, one, one of the favorite revivals I read about in, in Nigeria in the, um, I think it started in the 60s. There was a, a missionary from the UK who was Pentecostal. Mm-hmm. And at the time, it was when like a lot of Nigerian universities were forming. And most of them were evangelical. So like it was good. Like they were preaching the gospel. Um, you know, they believe the Bible is the authority. But then he came and he started preaching on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And it was so controversial because he was telling them, you have to, like, you're going to speak in tongues when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit. And people were telling him to stop saying that. But he says, like, no, I can't compromise. And actually, like, it led to, for, for what I believe, one of the greatest revivals I read about in the universities in Nigeria in the 70s. But a big thing that's, that, that built that foundation 
is he preached about the baptism of the Holy Spirit in a very uncompromising, controversial way. Mm-hmm. And it actually led to the fruit that I, like you, you look in Nigeria where there's all these like, you know, in the South, like everywhere you go, there's a church. Yeah. So many of them, you can trace their spiritual heritage to those, those revivals in the universities in the seventies and the eighties. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, I think there's definitely something to that about the, um, just the bold witness to, you know, to that experience. For me, it's like, the, it's not even the, the accuracy of maybe what you were saying, because mm-hmm. like still, in the word of God, we know in part, mm-hmm. all of us, mm-hmm. but the boldness to yeah. stand on his ground, yeah. because this is what God has told him. It doesn't matter. He will stay on his ground. Not, mm-hmm. He will not move because of fear of men. Mm-hmm. And I think God all knows yeah, that. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I think, I think one of the things that I appreciate the most about the Pentecostal movement, which actually I want to transition in a, oh last number of minutes we have to talking about like the Pentecostal movement specifically. But one of the things I appreciate is that it it sets a really clear doctrine of of like inviting you to experience God on deeper levels. Mm-hmm. Whereas sometimes like, so I, I believe, and I believe you believe that when you, when you're saved, you receive the, the Holy spirit, mm-hmm. the baptism of the Holy spirit is a filling of the Holy spirit. It's like an activating the Holy spirit. But when you're born again, you receive into the Holy spirit. Is that, is that what you believe? The, the nature of God. Okay. Yeah. And so, but like, I think something that happens to so many people is that they have all the same struggles they have all these sins that they're, you know, whatever, like their life isn't really active and they're not really always invited to believe that there's deeper levels of encounter that God has for you. Mm-hmm. That's going to, it's going to cause you to just, you know, live in deeper measure of freedom and, yes. and, and walk in power. And I, I feel like one of the things I so appreciate the Pentecostal movement is that it very strongly calls people to that. Mm. Yes. And, uh, for me, it's like, you can't have a revival if you water down the gospel. Yeah. Because we are not the one convincing people. It's the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And the Holy Spirit comes to convince people based on the truth. Mm-hmm. The Holy Spirit leads someone into truth. Mm-hmm. So if you are not speaking truth in its totality, there is no Holy Spirit there. Mm-hmm. And because there is no Holy Spirit, there is no conviction of sin. And you are going to find people who claim to become Christians but there is no deep connection with God. It's just intellectual. Mm. And because we have, come to, we have come to a point where we are afraid. I, even, I was even one day in the church, and the pastor, the pastor preached. And after preaching, it was here in State College, he said that if you are born again, make a prayer where you are, and after, if you want, come and see an elder. For me, that is wrong. The reason why it's wrong is because you want to make people comfortable. Call them out. And I, I got... Problems for doing that. As you know, we do have Saturday meetings. I speak directly to you because it's a matter of salvation. I cannot make you comfortable with your sin. I speak directly to you unless at least you know that I was sincere. So, that boldness to say, if you want to give it out to Jesus, come. Make that act of like, I don't care anymore about my life. I want to give my life to Jesus. We are scared of, I'm not part of that. But many people are scared of saying that. So at the end of the day, even if someone is born again, he's like just there, he doesn't talk to anyone, he doesn't grow spiritually. Nothing, no one knows because you want to make, a, you want to make peace, you want to make people feel comfortable. Even today you come, you start prophesying over someone, 
people will tell you that you are doing wrong because you should not do that. You are making unbelievers con- uncomfortable. I had comments like that. Many people telling me that I, 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 the way I prophesy is wrong because we had a discussion about that. But I'm not talking about you. Like different people coming and say I'm doing wrong, and they were they were angry against me doing yeah, that. I hope you know I never said. No, that. yeah, you, you never said that. Yeah. You never said that. So you see, and those people, they don't even realize. They don't even realize that unless you are willing to boldly say the truth without being afraid, the Holy Spirit will not move. You cannot make him move unless you say the truth. <laughs> you can't, no one can manipulate the Holy Spirit. He only conver- confirms the word, which is true. So speak the gospel in its totality and give room to people to respond. And Sadly, many pastors are afraid of that because they want to make people comfortable. They want to gather a crowd. They don't want to offend. People will come to the church. Slowly, slowly, they will, at one day, they will go get to know Jesus. I don't believe in that. Mm-hmm. Maybe it works, but for me, I don't believe in that because it's not what I know. The God I know, it, it changes you radically if you make a, the right decision. So this is what I preach. And I think... There is balance. I think there are some people who need time also. But as far as God is concerned, he wants to set people on fire. So uh, this is one thing also that uh, we see. see so many pastors, one pastor, one day I talked to him. And the Lord gave me a message for him. And I went to him and I said, God wants you to preach repentance. He does never preach repentance. He's always talking about the love of God. He comes again to my first point. God loves you. God loves you so much. He wants to be with you. He cherishes you. He has been thinking about you for, for thousands of years. He sent his son to die for you. God loves you. God loves you. God loves you. So the person feels now like he's make, giving a favor to God to come to church, to pray. He's like, yeah, yeah, because he loves me, I'm going to do that. There is no need for a savior. He doesn't, the person doesn't see the the wickedness and the trouble of sin you just see like god loves me 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 and at some point i'm like you are telling people every every day god loves them but they are full of depression you tell them god is powerful is almighty and he loves them how now can you reconcile that with the fact that they are oppressed by evil spirit they are sick, they are full of depression, full of anxiety, and every day you tell them God loves them. At some point, they will hate that God. Because you are telling them God loves them, but what is doing with all his power then? Where is the salvation? Where is the, the, the freedom? But every, every day we hear God loves us. So at some point, you need to tell them that, yeah, God loves you, but you need to make a decision to surrender your life to him for him actually to pour out something into you. But unless you say that, the people who have like a mental, theoretical understanding of the love of God, but no experience. And this is what I try to do. Yeah. This is what I try to do. I'm telling the guys, yes, God loves you, but unless you are willing to repent, the Bible is very clear. Repent and believe in the blood. Mm-hmm. Paul said he has been putting repentance 
In Acts chapter 2, Peter said, Repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus, and you shall receive the Holy Spirit. That's the, that's the message of the book of Acts. And again, take any revival. Wesley, Finney. What? Which message these people were preaching? Repentance and baptism of the Holy Spirit. That is the only message they were preaching. So I think we need to come back to that. And the, the church in state college is, is afraid of that message. Because they don't want to make people feel uncomfortable. But yes, this semester when we start the resume the meeting, we are going to be radical about that. It's a choice. And we make that choice and we trust the Holy Spirit to convict people. We are not trying to convince them. We just speak the truth and we, we have faith in the Holy Spirit to touch them with that truth. When you, when you look at a little bit of uh, just kind of like the, the ways the, so in any region, in any church, there's oftentimes emphasis on specific things. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the times, like when there's an emphasis, it's like they're reacting to something in the past. Yes. And so one of the things I think that's happened in the U.S. is, like I know growing up, like I mean, yeah, I, I didn't grow, I mean, I didn't move to the U.S. until I was 14, but you know, I lived in Canada for a while. I used to come to America. And so it's just very much influenced by the American church in a lot of ways as well. Um, there was a lot of talk about hell and sin and repentance, but I think that there was, that there can be criticism that you can do that in such a way where you don't talk about love mm -hmm. and it becomes like this thing where you have this unhealthy fear of God. Mm -hmm. Like I remember when I was a kid, I used to have nightmares about like hell. <laughs> I used to be afraid that like Satan would like appear like in the room and like do something to me. I remember, I don't know if you remember like the Left Behind series. No, I don't. So there was these really popular books like in my childhood and they made it in a movie. It was all about the rapture, which is, you know, which is good. They're talking about the end times. But I just remember how scary it was. Mm. And the aspect of like God's love wasn't something I even really, I don't think I understood. And, okay. and I think one of the things that we might be seeing is just kind of like the, the pendulum swinging, you know? Yes. Because I think a lot of times when you hear people probably hear talk about like God's love, it's like they're sometimes, again, I'm not trying, neither was trying to make straw man. We're talking in generalities that isn't true for every single person. Yes, yes. We're specifically trying to emphasize positive and negative. So like that's what we're trying to do in the conversation. But um, usually they're reacting to thinking about something in their past mm -hmm. where someone was preaching in a way that didn't feel redemptive. Yes. And so it's like this thing where you swing the pendulum so far on the other end. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why it's, I mean, that's why it's just so helpful when people come from other backgrounds and perspectives, it really helps for balance yes. because a lot of times like we don't even realize when we've become unbalanced in like another direction, if that, if that makes sense to you. Yes. Yeah, so much sense. And it's exactly what happened to me too. Like when I came that also message, like putting emphasis on the love of God also, mm -hmm. I, I discovered that when I came here. Mm -hmm. Before that, I, I didn't know that. I was just like right. so radical. And, and, you, and you, I'm sure you can see like a lot of downsides when you just talk about sin, hell, repentance, yes. holiness, but you don't talk about the love. Yes. It is as bad as the, is the uh, both of them as, there's bad, the, both of them are bad in the same way. Right. So just find a way to, to create balance. Yeah. Shelling, telling people like they need to repent because of the love of God. Right, right, right. So 
you 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 share the love of God in a way that they can receive it, right. not just in a way that it's in their mind, yeah. and they can, they don't get it, right. and you don't also put too much emphasis on hell. Otherwise, it's no more the gospel. It's no more good news. Right, right. It it's not being good news. Yeah. It's like bad news. Like I'm going to die. God is going to kill me. No, it's not about that. Is not the yeah. gospel. Yeah. So I think it. What you said is very true. Like everywhere in the world, like when people discover something about God. And they do it and when it starts bearing bad food mm -hmm. they move to the complete opposite of that mm -hmm. and it's always that balance of the church every yeah. time and uh we even us we need to keep to watch mm -hmm. over what we say what we preach so that we don't come become people condemned right. but people actually show hope mm -hmm. hope in the blood of jesus mm -hmm. so one thing i try to keep in mind every time is like i cannot preach the gospel without talking about the blood mm -hmm. If I've not talked about the blood of Jesus, I didn't preach the gospel. Mm -hmm. You see, if you see Reynard Bonke, mm -hmm. everything was preaching the, the, the gospel, always talking about the blood of Jesus. Mm -hmm. So if you keep that in mind, it doesn't matter what I say about hell, about whatever. I have to end up with the blood, mm -hmm. the redemption that is in the blood of Jesus. And this is for me the, the way I can safeguard myself so that I don't come into a place where I'm too angry that I start condemning people. Mm -hmm. Always end up with the blood of Jesus. Mm -hmm. So uh, hopefully with that, we are not going to fall into that trap. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I appreciate that. And, and like that, um, on the previous uh, episode we were talking, um, like the first time I went to a meeting, I heard you preaching. I really did see that balance. Like I, I saw how you really, <laughs> you really took people into the depths of seeing their sin. And then you, you really, really talked about the love of Jesus. And I, I remember one meeting where we're on campus in the business building. And I think this time you're more emphasizing talking to believers and you were talking about like repentance. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's some people, and I don't know what you think about this, but if you don't have a life like where you're living it and you're communicating with the love of God, you can be saying things that are true and release condemnation. Yes, yes. But I know that when I was in the room, I felt this conviction of sin that was like so holy and like just made me feel like compelled to repent. And so, yeah, so I, I just want to, I want to affirm that. And um, I think that more people need to see the power of conviction of mm. sin and what it does to people, because I think most people, they associate like any kind of emphasis on sin and judgment with condemnation. Yes. And so it almost just destroys just thinking like, oh, that message is not effective. No one wants to hear that. But I don't think, I think a lot of people have not really seen people preaching that from a place of love, of love in mm. such a way that leads to repentance rather than people just feeling like condemned. So Yes, that's true. Yeah. That's um, true. I, I have one last closing question in the last few minutes. Um, and I hope mm. I'm not at, like opening a can of worms, but <laughs> one of the, I think one of the biggest criticisms, um, in like the American church, um, is towards like what's termed the prosperity gospel. Uh, yes. And that's kind of a vague, I, I, vague you can't see it. I put it in quotes because <laughs> people mean different things when they say prosperity, prosperity gospel. gospel yeah. But one of the things that I've noticed is there's certain emphasis on it in, in American churches, um, in some, especially like some some Pentecostal churches. But then, like when you go to Latin America, and especially when you go to Africa, 
a lot of the things that Americans would criticize as prosperity gospel is much more popular, specifically in Africa. I mean, I think of Nigeria because that's what that's what yes. I know more so. And and so again, I use the word prosperity gospel in quotes because I think there's a lot of people who get labeled that who it's not always obvious to me why they're labeled that. Mm-hmm. And for some people, like prosperity might be something mean something that no one else disagrees with. Yes. Whereas when people are criticizing, they're usually talking about like a specific manifestation of it. So yeah, I just add all that background and just ask like, what is your thoughts on like what you've experienced or seen in the prosperity gospel? <laughs> I mean, I, I still, even today, I still have a hard time to define what prosperity gospel is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I remember like a few years ago, I, I we had like a group of, of, of believers and I sent a message like, can you, can someone define to me what's prosperity gospel? Mm-hmm. I hear that in so many messages. Right. But I don't know because there are people labeled as prosperity gospel mm-hmm. that have built my faith. Yeah. And there are people also attacking those that built my faith that also built my faith. Mm-hmm. So I don't like they are fighting against each other. Mm-hmm. I, I was confused. Mm-hmm. What is prosperity gospel at the end of the day? Because what I preach, I don't see the problem of saying that. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying I don't see the problem of saying that God wants you to be good. Mm-hmm. If God loves you, mm-hmm. I mean I love my, my parents, mm-hmm. I love my friend. I want them to be good. I'm, I'm just mirroring that to God. Mm-hmm. If God has more love than me, mm-hmm. how much, what's the big deal for God to, to want me to be fine? Yeah. I don't see the point of like saying that, saying this is wrong. Yeah. So it was very confusing for me. And uh, at some point, like I met a group where very radical against prosperity gospel. And like, I stopped listening to few people I was listening to, but now I'm getting back. I, I have more understanding. So I think, it goes back to what we were saying about we discover something about God, we do it to an extent where it becomes now unhealthy, mm-hmm. and now another group rise now to go to the complete opposite of that. Mm-hmm. So I believe that the roots of what people call prosperity gospel is actually a revival, financial revival God wanted to bring into the church. Mm-hmm. Because you cannot push the gospel without money. Let 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 be serious. Mm-hmm. We need money to send missionaries, send people, and Outside of that, there are blessings God gave to us in the, in the Bible that we also need to experience to, to bring his kingdom to pass. And I believe that. Now, when you, you put that above now a true relationship with God, I think this is where now it becomes prosperity gospel. You, know, you don't go to God for God. You go for God now only for the things of the earth. Only to, uh, to get a house, to get married, to get children, to get a car, to get a job. That's your only focus. It's not God. I think this is now, for me, the definition I give to it is where now prosperity gospel comes. Where you only preach about people getting things of the earth, not building them to have a relationship with God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yes, having a relationship with God at some point, you need to understand the relevance of the f- to have a car, to have a nice house, is good. But don't let it become now the first Thing you are looking after. Jesus said, seek the kingdom of God and its righteousness. Mm-hmm. And everything else will be added to you. So I believe God gives. He adds things to you. But your priority should be to know him, not to get those things. And sadly, many preachers, they have moved. Because when you see the message when they were young, younger, they were preaching like God about God. But at some point, I don't know what happened. They were preaching only about health, healthy things. Only, I'm not saying you should not preach about that. I'm saying only. Mm-hmm. It's all about that. You will get this. You will get this. You will get this. 
How about you repenting from your sin? How about you knowing God? How about you living a pure life? That don't speak about that because that's not a popular message. Yeah. So now my understanding of prosperity gospel is like you only preach about the things of the earth without leading people to the God mm-hmm. that give those things. Yeah. So and it's wrong. Yeah. Because it gives people false hope. It gives people a false relationship with God, yeah. and they, they they cannot be genuine with Him. If they don't get what they are expecting, they leave faith. Yeah. And for me, that is not that is like. The bad thing about that and some preachers are, are labeled a prosperity gospel preachers but they are not if i go by that definition yeah that's yeah and that's why i said at the beginning i've seen a lot of that too where it's just like i've there's some people it's like i've literally never heard them even talk about money but then they get put in the the bag of like prosperity, prosperity gospel. gospel but just because they associate with someone someone yeah. prosperity now this person's <laughs> prosperity too they've been kind of messy but i feel like I feel like there's so much more to talk about with this, but just a closing thought before we close this episode, I just want to respond to something, something you shared. Mm-hmm. So I think you hit on, I think people have a lot of criticism over when you're idol, like you're idolizing God's blessings rather than relationship with God. Mm-hmm. You're seeking your own comfort rather more, like more than you're seeking to influence others for the kingdom. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's also the element where, people are critical like when you see how much in the bible talks about like the suffering that you receive from preaching the gospel like for you know apostle paul it feels like if there's too much emphasis on the blessings it makes it seem as if sufferings can't be or Mm. there's something wrong if things are going like aren't going your way externally Mm -hmm. um but i would say this this is actually I have a, I have like a bone to pick. Like, so like from the way you kind of define prosperity gospel, I, I also have like very deep criticisms of people who, you know, create an environment where people idolize blessings. And I do, I I would say that I do think that there are a lot of preachers that do that, Mm -hmm. um, in the way that they communicate. Um, but I do notice that like in a lot of people's criticisms, like, a lot of times the people who are criticizing it are the people who have the most um, physical, like, blessings. You know what I mean? Like, so, like, more wealth. Yeah. So, like, it, it feels like there's a lot of people where they're kind of like, okay, I don't want to sound, like, um, overly critical, but... Go ahead, go ahead. You know, just who live a comfortable American life where they have all these blessings, which I believe from God. And so then when they hear a preacher saying like God wants to bless you, God wants to make you healthy, wealthy, whatever. It's like they're so critical, but it's because they're only looking through their own lens of their own comfort. Mm-hmm. And so if if now they were like their emphasis was like, okay, I need to get more money, I need to get healthier, that would be greed. But if there's someone who's like suffering to provide for their children, mm-hmm. you know, who lives in poverty, they need to know that God wants to bless them. Yes. And so I think there's a like one of the things that doesn't always get considered is that like a lot of what is an appropriate emphasis on these things has a lot to do with your current context and yes. the degree of like provision you already have in your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this is why it works a lot in Africa. Yeah, it's, <laughs> I, I mean, my, my mom said before, like a lot of this emphasis in the '80s and stuff, they used to think like, you know, if you were serving God, you had to be poor. poor yes, and it's just like. Africa doesn't need to be told that there's a God who wants to keep you in poverty. Like, there's no yeah. way that's the, you know, that's the gospel or yeah, that's the message. That's so That's so true. 
Yeah, and uh, and again, it's difficult to find a balance because people now they will only go to God for that, and that yeah, that and becomes that's where, unhealthy. That's where it gets. Yeah. So for me, like, just I think there's a way of finding balance. Mm-hmm. There's a way, like, always make sure that people understand what is more important, mm-hmm. but tell them like, no, you cannot stay in poverty. Yeah. Work hard. The Holy Spirit is here to help you. Yeah. They, you have to know that God loves them. He wants them to be good, mm-hmm. but don't put it as if. It's like the God. Yeah, as as if that's like the only thing. The, the only thing about thing God, God wants yeah. to do. Yeah. So yeah. that's good. Well, um, I'm gonna close out this episode, but I hope we can do more in the future. <laughs> really enjoy Hopefully. this conversation. Um, and yeah, I hope all of you listening were blessed. Amen. Amen.